This episode of Disruption Nation is sponsored by James Krueger, Carey Real Estate. The real estate market's top performing agents must be more to their clients than just salespeople. At Kruger, we know good culture makes connections, builds relationships, and creates value. That's why we are here for our team as a dedicated resource for the best Houston has to offer. Helping our agents to show clients hidden value outside the walls of their homes. Another reason why Kruger Real Estate has the most five-star Zillow ratings of any firm in Houston. Join a team that does more for your success. Join a family at Kruger. coming this morning. I, I personally love attending stuff like this. I've been in the business 11 years, and I think no matter how long you do this, you can always learn from other agents. And I guarantee you, at some point today, one of you is going to say something that I'm going to go, I'm totally stealing that. You know, I'm going to go do that in my business. And that's why you guys are here. Uh, how many of you have been in the business like less than five years? Okay, like five to 10 years? Okay, more than 10 years? Oh, we got a good mix, so that's good. Uh, and you're here because you wanna learn from these top producers who I checked out, they are all top producers. I told them, I was like, I made sure that you guys are legit. Uh, because there is no point in reinventing the wheel, all right? The, the things that took them years to learn and perfect, you can now learn in this one hour masterclass and go back and put it in your business. So thank you guys for being here, all three of you, and sharing your knowledge. And so let's really quick, before we start, just kind of tell everybody your name, who you're with, maybe a little bit of background, how long you've been in the business. We'll start with you, Kristen. Hi, I'm Kristen Moquin. I'm with CBNA Realtors. I've been in the business, uh, licensed about seven years. I started on a team as an assistant. I've been an individual agent for about three years. And I think the gangster rap and wine pretty much sums up all you needed to know. <laughs> there we go, all right. How you doing? I'm Dane Gates. I'm with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services in the Woodlands. I've been an agent since 2006. Uh, just recently started a team, but up until that point, uh, been an individual producer. And I uh, appreciate you guys for having me. Look forward to uh, the panel here. Hey guys, I'm uh, Renee Sorolla with Keller Williams. I've been in business for a little over 15 years. Um, I've got three buyer's agents, or, or sales agents rather. Um, and I've got a couple of ISAs, it's a, they're telemarketers that set appointments, and I've got a few admin. So thank you guys for having me. Thank you, and I like the mix too, because some of you here might be on a team, some of you might be team leaders, some of you might be solo agents, and so I like that we have a little bit of everything. So let's start off with talking about kind of how the market is right now. I think we can all agree it's a little bit crazy. So, and then later I wanna get into just some general top producer questions. But so, the way it is right now, let's talk about buyers, because that seems to be the biggest challenge for agents right now, is getting your offers accepted, winning in those multiple offer situations, finding inventory when we don't have very much. So, Dane, you got the mic, so I'll start with you. What do you think right now is helping buyers get their offers accepted? I think just the strength of the offer. Um, you know, obviously getting with a good lender, getting their financing in order is the very first thing I look at. I do a lot of listing and so, you know, I'm instantly pre-qualifying them on that front, how much are they putting down, what are the terms of their offer, what kind of financing they're using, who is their lender, 
um, just anything that I can do to kind of get an edge on who this buyer is. Um, you know, and from there, obviously, uh, how clean the offer is. Um, are they asking for crazy things? I think it's just really boils down to kind of the main bullets, financing, uh, terms, um, you know, things of that nature. So those are kind of the main focus for me. Um, and when I have a buyer and I'm representing, I bring that to the table. Actually, this past weekend, I put in an offer on a property for one of my buyers uh, that we knew was going to have multiple offers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, I told him what to do. Uh, he didn't do that, and we did not get the property. Um, and it was pretty straightforward after communicating with the agent. I think had we had gone in with the original approach, we would have got it. But it's just not a market where you can kind of test your luck. Yeah, and I agree, and I love the perspective of the listing agents because they are the ones who are seeing all these offers that are coming in. So if you're not a particularly heavy listing agent and you're working with a buyer, I would get somebody like Dane and say, hey, what can we do? What are you seeing that you can do to make your offer stronger? Um, Kristen, I know we had chatted before and you talked. we talked a little bit about how the offers are put together. What are some of the things you're seeing right now that are helping or hurting buyer's offers? Y'all. Fill out the contract, for starters. Don't send me an email. Would your seller consider, he would consider something that's filled out and signed. Please send that. Send me a whole offer, fill everything out, give me proof of funds, financing. I do not want to chase you down, and I do not want to teach you contracts. There's a class for that. Take it. I, I have seen 15 offers on a property, and three of them are complete and correct. That's what I can present. And those of us who are listing multiple properties at once don't have time to chase you to go, well, what did you mean when you left this blank? What does this mean? Um, hey, could you maybe fill out the whole thing? Um, that just, you're hurting yourself doing that sort of stuff right off the front. You're going right to the bottom of the pile. Um, and really being realistic. Don't send me uh, an offer for $50,000 over with a VA loan, zero down, and I mean, that's not workable, and I know it's not workable, and you should know it's not workable, and pick up the phone and call me, and let's talk about it, and if I call you, pick up the freaking phone, and don't text me six paragraphs, pick up the phone. And really quick before we move on from that, a, a complete offer, Renee, you got it right now, what do you consider a complete, because I know for me, I'm like, did you sign the seller's disclosure and the HOA and the MUD notice? And people are just sending the one to four in the, in the third party. Is, are you seeing some of that too? Agents yeah. being kind of sloppy or lazy? I am, and I'm probably the wrong person on this panel to ask about it because I do have a team and I'm leveraged where I don't, I don't, right. get, my, I don't get the offers. Uh -huh. um, my executive assistant manages my offers that, are, that, are, that come in, but she'll tell me, she, you know, she would probably say to, that they've got to be complete. Um, we size up our opponents all the time to see if it's a really good offer, uh, but they, it's incomplete, we're gonna, we're gonna have to call them, we're gonna have to coach them. Our fiduciary duty is to fight for our clients and give our, give our sellers the best deal to, that's gonna put them the most money in, the pocket, in their pocket. Um, so, you know, it, it's, um, it, it's huge to size up the opponents and make sure that, that when you do submit an offer that it's, um, it's a complete offer. Just mm -hmm. all the paperwork has to be complete. Um, we call, whenever it's a, 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 an agent that's not, we can tell that they're either new or bad. We're, and that's a, unfortunately, it's a big portion. 95% of all realtors sell five homes a year. I think that's a national average. So um, we, we call those agents and those files, we call them red flag files. 
So it's a red flag. We all we just watch our back on on for that particular agent. Deals fall through a lot of times because of the agents. They're getting in the way or they're not delivering the messages to their clients. So we um, we coach we coach the agent on how to get the deal across the table. Um, at, at times we've had agents where we'll tell them, you know, bring your client in, just a real horrible agents, bring your clients in and just sit there and don't say anything. <laughs> um, we've only had it happen a couple of times where, and, and we're just relaying the messages, but sometimes these agents are just, are just really, really bad and, and, um, and, it, and it's a really good deal and their buyer wants the house and the seller wants to sell to them, but the agents get in the way and it kind of messes stuff up. Yeah, agents could be their own worst enemy sometimes, I think. So, Dane, you're talking about being a listing agent and getting a lot of offers in. Let's talk about offer letters. Are you seeing them? Are you writing them? Are they making a difference? So, definitely seeing them, um, particularly in the lower price points where it's extremely competitive. Um, you know, I think we were talking about this a little bit before. For me, you know, I kind of sift past that, move on to the bullets. Uh, I do have some sellers who I can tell it definitely has an impact. And in fact, I've had a seller select a lower offer, uh, maybe not one that um, I would have preferred uh, based on the letter. So they do work and they and they have a place. I think, you know, as you mentioned, you've, you've got to be a little careful with them. I think there's a lot of um, scrutinization on them right now. A lot of people are really looking at that and making sure that it's uh, meeting all the, the uh, codes of ethics. But uh, you know, they can have an impact, they can definitely help. And I've seen that with my sellers multiple times where they're reading, oh my gosh, this is so sweet, and that would be such a perfect family for my neighbors. And so um, sometimes that can have a pretty big impact on their ultimate decision, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he mentioned the code of ethics stuff. There is a lot going on right now, making sure that you are not violating any fair housing laws in what you put in that offer letter. So just making sure that you keep it focused on the problem. What about you, Kristen, are you seeing them? Are they working? Or your client's like, I don't care, I'll sell to ugly people, I just want to sell to the person who gives me the most money. What are you seeing? It just depends on the client. And I typically ask my sellers on the front end, we're going to get letters, do you want them? And usually he goes, hell no. And she goes, yes, I want to see the letters. Um, and it's really their call. If they want to see them, then I, I will present them. And kind of like we were talking about earlier, Sometimes they make that decision. They don't. Not all sellers want an investor to buy their house. Um, if they've put love into it, they don't want to see it turn into a rental. Some people don't care. It's just about the money. But it's also with multiple offers. It's a shell game. You're trying to figure out which ones, which one's going to make it to the closing table. And if somebody has presented you an offer that their cousin lives next door and babysits their kids every day you know, they're probably gonna get to the closing table. And even if, you know, we have some humps, we'll probably get there because they're invested in not just a house, but that house. Um, but you do, you have to be careful. I do, I do encourage my people to present, to write them carefully now. And you no, know, it may not see the light of day, but I think in this market, it's worth giving it a shot. Yeah, you really wanna do whatever you can right now to give your buyer a leg up and every little thing matters. Even if it's just those little things like not asking for a home warranty, you know, not asking sellers to pay for little things. So we'll go back to Renee now. Um, how are you guys handling on the list? We'll stay on the listing side, we'll go back to the buyer side. I really encourage you guys to write on questions if you're working with buyers uh, about multiple offers. And, Cause I mean, you have right here, people who list a ton of properties and can tell you what would get your offer accepted. So I hope you guys ask. But so in multiple offer situations, if you are a listing agent, how are you handling those with your sellers? 
so as soon as we can get two offers, we'll put everybody in the highest and best uh, offer by a certain time. Um, usually we'll, it's like 24, 24 hours or so. Sometimes we'll do 48 hours. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. If, if you get two offers, submit your highest and best. Mm -hmm. And I get phone calls and um, it's, they're talking to a wall. It's like they, they ask me questions, pre-qualifying questions about, you know, about my seller. And I'm just, I just, I don't know because I don't manage it. Uh, but either way, you know, I'll, I'll kind of sometimes I'll spin the question back. If they say, why is your seller selling or how low can we get them? Mm -hmm. I'll just spin it back and say, well, how bad does your buyer want it? How high can we get you? <laughs> Um, you know, so it, it's, it's, it's just submitting, submitting highest and best offer by a certain deadline, and, and that's really it. We get all of our offers, and um, we'll dissect each offer in an email to our seller, and, uh, and we'll tell them, this is the one you need to pick. Mm -hmm. it's, oh, it's, so you do make a recommendation. To oh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and if they want to talk into detail, we'll tell them why, because mm -hmm. this one's FHA or VA, or this one's putting more money down, or we know the lender on this one, or we know the realtor on this one. So it's, we're just trying to get the best, safest bet for our sellers. Mm -hmm. yeah. How about you, Dane? Are you doing spreadsheet? How are you, how are you handling all the multiple offers? So, well, a little bit of, of it boils down to my clients because I've had clients before, and that's why I was going to say on the buying side, don't expect the highest and best necessarily yeah. um, because I've seen a lot of cases this year where you go in thinking, oh, they'll request the highest and best, and then they're just like, it goes pending, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, whoa, okay, so, so don't expect that, but that is an, a good approach. I think, um, you know, I kind of communicate with my sellers and basically let them know, yes, you can accept one off base. Um, you can collect them all, do a highest and best. You may lose somebody in that process or it may not make a difference. Um, but um, I think that that is probably one of the cleanest approaches. It gives everybody a fair opportunity um, and it allows your seller to kind of have a final, you know, this is the time frame when we'll review everything. Um, so those are kind of the approaches in terms of multiple offers and how to present them. I'm definitely putting an Excel spreadsheet together uh, just with kind of the bullet items on there just to give them a quick overview of what we're working with and then going into further detail from there um, and then giving them my two cents if I've had experience working with that agent, um, if they use a particular inspector that I don't necessarily care for or something <laughs> like that, giving them a heads up on that um, and just kind of explaining to them the process of you know moving forward once we've selected one. So. I think um, organizing them in that fashion is definitely helpful because it gets overwhelming if you're just forwarding emails to them. They have no idea what they're looking at. So, What's the most offers you've gotten on a property recently? We had 16 on one this yeah, year. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of information to sort through. So you mentioned, and I think both of you guys mentioned, we know the lender on this deal. Are there any lenders here today? A couple of you. Okay, good for you guys for being here. Uh, stuff like that matters. You know, who, the, who they are using matters and relationships matter. Uh, Kristen, I know when we had a call earlier, you were talking about the other agent on the other side, you know, your reputation and things like that. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I mean, when you've been in the business, you kind of start to know different people and people build a reputation. I try to build a reputation that I have a smart mouth, but that <laughs> I know what I'm doing and generally will try to advocate for to get us over the finish line and be pragmatic with my clients and realistic and and try to encourage them to remember your side as well because people get real caught up in their own bubble and okay but think about it from the seller's perspective or think about it from the buyer's perspective you are acting like a moron and <laughs> quit it um, but if you know you've got a competent agent on the other side you know just like we were talking about earlier you can feel a little more confident that we can negotiate through things and that the, the other party's getting good guidance. I'm sure we've all had deals tank 
just because of incompetence on the other side, um, sending, you know, a two-year-old house and sending me just the inspection report with everything that's deficient circled and saying we want everything on here fixed. Thanks. Um, that kind of stuff just, I mean, it sours the transaction. And if you've had really good transactions with really competent people, again, when you've got 15 offers, we're, we're playing a game where, okay, it's not just the front page how much money, because it's zero dollars if it doesn't get to the closing table. Um, wh which one's going to get there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if, if it's $50,000 over but it never closes, it, it doesn't do anybody. That's monopoly money. Anybody any good. So, so Renee, you've been in business a long time. You've seen a lot. Other than price, what are some things buyers can do to make their offers more attractive? Other than price, uh, cover the, the letters, that, that could work. The other day, the other day um, I don't represent buyers a lot, um, but I was, I was kind of forced to work with this buyer, and I overheard them upstairs saying, look, um, there was something with Navy. There was, I don't know if it was a hat or yes. something with Navy. And I was like, hey, tell, what, you know, what happened? I heard you guys, you know, making all that noise up there. Um, and their son also was in the Navy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, cover letter, that's, yeah. that's it right there. Um, we did end up winning the bid. I don't know if it was because of that, but in this world, you have to use every trick in the book. I went to uh, Texas A&M, and it, but if it were a Longhorn, even though Aggies and Longhorns don't like each other, right. I would stroke Longhorn and say how great their team is. Um, <laughs> and, and if and if if my buyer you're willing to sell your soul to yeah, get a deal well, accepted, it's, it's my duty to get the deal across the finish line. Mm -hmm. Who cares what I think? Who cares um, how I feel? Our job is just to, to win the deal. That's it. Do do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, it, I know too, if I get an offer and I can tell the agent is very professional, they have everything together, it's a strong offer, and they say in there, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure this deal closes, they automatically get, get bumped up a notch. And that might be the agent you go back to and say, hey, we'd love to work, you're not the highest on price, you yeah. know, C can you maybe come up? Because you want to put together all the best terms for, for your seller. Okay, so... I think we've talked a lot about the market right now. I do, I love picking the brains of people who do this job really well. And I love that you're all different and you all have different personalities and you all run your business in a slightly different, you know, we have a big team, we have a new team, we have a, we have a solo agent. So I like to really figure out what makes top producers tick. Uh, Kristen, what do you think, you see other agents, you've been around for a little bit, what do you see as the biggest separator between agents that really produce and those ones that just seem to kind of struggle and flounder? Well, a lot of things. I mean, I think part of it is this is an industry where a lot of people hop in and think I'm going to do this part time until. And I really think that's a recipe for disaster. This is this is a you got to you can't half ass. You got to throw your whole ass up in here. Um, <laughs> it's a whole ass kind of business. It's a whole ass right. situation. Okay. Uh, you'll just never it, I think it's really hard to get off the ground doing it that way. You, you've kind of got to jump in with both feet and just run with it. Especially in this market, I mean, if somebody, we've all been there, a house comes on the market at noon, you, there's a line of people on that front lawn at 2 o'clock, and if you're like, well, I get off work at 5, well, great, mm -hmm. you know, there'll be 40 offers by 5. Um, I think that's tough, and I really, it's a strong commitment to just doing it, making it work, not having a safety net, that's, I'm, I think that really, there's no motivator, like, I mean, nobody wants to eat ramen noodles every damn day, and your fingers will cold swell chili. the hell up. So, um, you know, I think that's, to me, the biggest. 
all right, making it a full-time investment. All right, Dane, what about you? I also will just say, I, I'm on the board for HR, so I get the membership update every day. We have more agents right now than we've ever had. You know, the number of people that have gotten into this business in the last year through COVID when you would have thought would have been a time that maybe people would have gotten out of it. Uh, so it's higher than ever. There are more untrained, this just is, it's not a good or a bad thing. There are more new untrained agents out there than at any point in this business. So just throwing that in there for a little bit of data. What do you think, Dane, is the biggest separator? I mean, you gotta want it. I think uh, you have to want to be the best. You have to want to be a top producer. You have to want to, uh, because there's a lot of days where uh, you know, there's other things that I could do that probably would uh, help my go kart sound more fun uh, yeah, on some go, days. Yeah, uh -huh. help my stress levels. But you have to want it. I think a lot of the old adages uh, work. I'll never forget when I first got in the business, and I still think about this all the time. Mm -hmm. But I like waltzed into one of the agents. He's been around forever. He's still around actually. And and I said, Jack, you know what? What's the secret, man? What do I got to do in here? I'm trying. To, you know, he just looked at me. He was like, late to bed, early to rise, work like hell, and advertise. <laughs> And I'm like, it's so true, you know. Um, but I think a lot of it's a grind. I think the other thing, and, and uh, the faster you can do this, um, is just building relationships with people um, who will help facilitate the transaction and make it a smoother process, you know, from start to finish. Um, some of the ladies that are here uh, are a perfect example of that. You know, in, in a lot of uh, the listings that I go on, um, you can tell the seller your opinion on what they need to do to the house and stuff like that, and they may take some of it or they'll kind of push back on you. Um, you know, so Simple Elegance, perfect example. I have them come through. Uh, they're a, a, an addition to my team, mm -hmm. and they really help reinforce some of the things that sellers don't want to hear, right, that they're aggravated about, they don't want to do, I don't need to do this. Um, and, and just different people like that that I've uh, kind of built relationships with that kind of assist me in the preliminary process when it comes to listing uh, or even with buyers who help them understand uh, maybe some things that they need to do to kind of put themselves in a position to be a stronger uh, a buyer. So, you know, some of those things, the faster you can do that, fine. And this is a great forum and a great um, group to, uh, to kind of do that. In fact, through Houston Real Producers, I've met a lot of the various um, vendors, if you will, <laughs> but uh, built relationships with them. Yeah. Vendor is not a bad word. It's okay. And, uh, and, and so just finding the people that want to get it done kind of have the same mindset of just like pushing things through, working hard, making sure that we're um, taking care of the client and, and uh, addressing all the things that come up along the way. So. I love the late to bed, early to rise, because I think the one of the death traps of this business is that you have no boss and your schedule is your own, and people think they want to be their own boss, but they don't know how to, they end up only working actually maybe two hours a day because they're in their yoga pants and they go to lunch with a friend and, and then they call themselves a realtor. So uh, I think really that mindset of you've, you've got to really work at this. So Renee, you've built a big team. What, what, do, what have you seen? Or, and you probably hired agents too, like to bring on agents. Like what's yes. the difference you see between those agents that really do well and those that don't? It, it's really, it's really just boils down to discipline. It's all about discipline. I, I love the question because it's what I do. So I've been in the business about 15 years. After a couple of years, I started a team um, and I started mentoring my guys to mm -hmm. duplicate myself. I would, I would, I only taught them the buyer side of the game at the beginning. Now I teach the buyer side and the listing side. I'm just giving it all away to, to people that join my team. Um, and the biggest thing is, number one, it's showing up every day. It's, it's the discipline and doing their calls first thing in the morning. That's huge. It's, it's huge that you, you pick up the phone and you have to call leads. We call new leads. What? I was gonna say treating it like a real job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, treat it like corporate America. If you treat it like corporate America, you'll win. 
And if you don't, you can make 20, 30 grand. That's cool if that's okay with you. Um, or you can crush it and make six figures if you're just disciplined. So lead generation is the game. Like that's, if you want to break 100 transactions, you have to lead gen. I've got a guy that's new to the team. He's got about seven pending. And uh, his name's Carlos, good dude. Um, he is, he's, he's new, so he's juggling all these deals, these, these executed deals, and he's not doing his lead gen. And I'm like, Carlos, let me give you some advice. I tell him, I tell him often, like, don't let anything get in the way of the lead gen. You won't feel it right now. You're gonna make some money. It's gonna, it's gonna show up in 30 to 90 days. If you don't do your lead gen, it's gonna, it's gonna punch you in the mouth. Um, no matter what, it'll hit you. So lead generation is huge. Um, I've coached my guys on doing lead follow-up right after the lead gen. So every 50 knows we get two yeses. Those two yeses, they're, they're nurturers. They wanna, they'll, they'll list with you or they'll, they'll buy a house, but they're not ready yet. Well, I used to just throw those leads away. I just wasn't managing them. Now I have a CRM, it's like a database manager, where they all go in the system and you just click a few buttons that I've got from, from my, for people on my team and you click a few buttons and then it'll, it'll, it'll show up on that day, you know, in three months or six months or whenever it is. So if my agents are doing lead generation, first thing in the morning, that's, that's making their cold calls, not even cold calls, they're warm calls. Um, and then you do your follow up every day. You have to call everybody and, and, and we also have, um, so you've got to call your follow ups. Um, we also have a five by five by five campaign. This is for your database. You've got to call your database. That's one big thing that I've failed year after year after year. For whatever reason, I'm, I'm, I'm weird that I want to do the hard way. I just want to do the cold calls, the expires and the terminates, the fizzbos, where the easy deals are your database. People that know you and trust you and love you are going to just give you deals. I neglected that for years. So I'm coaching my guys into talking to five of their people uh, per day. Um, and then the rest of the day you're going on appointments. That's it. And I, I teach them um, how to present. You've got to present. You've got to you've got to know who your opponent opponent is. Um, if your client is analytical, you've got to have your stats ready. You have to switch gears and custom deliver the message to whatever their personality profile is. And there's four different profiles. So it's um it's and I probably went just way deep into it, but it's just. <laughs> Hey, lead, show up every day, lead gen, lead follow up, go on appointments, do it every day. You will win, period. Like, it, there's, there's no way you can't win. Yeah, and so if we're in July now, that means the work you're doing every day now is actually going to be your business in September and October. So if, you're, if you don't have business in September, October, you know it's because in July, <laughs> you, you weren't making your calls. Let's go back to you, Kristen. What are some things, we, have, we had a fair amount of newer agents in, in the audience today. What are some things you wish you had known or done differently when you first started? I think processes, systems, things like that. It's, it's easy to not do that when you've got two transactions to manage or zero transactions to manage. It's really hard to start back-ending that once you have 15 transactions in process and you're trying to figure out how to work that all and organize it. Um, and so it may seem silly sometimes to, well, I've got a CRM and two people in it. <laughs> but if you can really get into those habits or you know, when you close a deal, what do you do? Do you go, do you hit and ask for reviews through this system? Do you load them in here? Do you send them a gift? What? But having that, system in place and then carrying that forward. Um, my experience was a little different because I came in, that was all done for me on a team and then I came in and had 
I, I really did have to back end all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and quite frankly, I'm still back ending a lot of that. Apparently I talk a lot about people's back end, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, I think that's probably the biggest thing and just, um, just sticking with it. I mean, even when it gets, it gets to, you know, we always joke, every realtor, you know, at the end of December, we go to the big awards and you get the big award and then you go home and go, oh shit, I gotta do it all over again next year. Mm -hmm. um, it, you starting from zero, but that's, that's kind of the name of the game every year and just, just going with it. And I love the thing about, so this job can be very feast or famine. I mean, if you've been in it, you know, you probably go for a while, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't have anything. And then all of a sudden, everything hits at once. So if you don't take advantage of the time when you're slow to get those systems in place, when you get busy, it's going to be too late. You know, you're going to be back ending it as we take a shot every time we say back end, um, you know, to, to try to catch up. So what about, I know you're probably going to say systems too, Dane. What would you say? Well, I, I, there's definitely that aspect to it. I mean, you know, I, we joke in the office, though. There's a lot of, like, just flying by the seat of your pants. I mean, honestly, every day is new. Things get thrown at me. I have clients that will come out of the woodwork all of a sudden, even ones that I've just sold a house to. Hey, we want to do this, too. And you're, like, back on, you know. And so um, you got to be quick to adapt. I think one of the advantages when I first came out of college, I went into a sales job. It was extremely intense um, insurance uh, bullpen scenario and but it taught me a ton about uh, one just grinding through it you know get up suit up show up um, push through um, it also showed me kind of the reward of taking something that I thought was not gonna happen and then seeing it through and and, and watching it uh, come to life so you know and, and there's a lot of that in this business and like he was saying sometimes you get the ones that they're not gonna happen next week they're not gonna happen next month and it's easy to just kind of shovel those to the side, but not, you know, staying through, falling through. So CRM, something like this uh, may make sense for you. You know, actually, so I've tried various CRMs over the years. Um, and to be honest with you, I just didn't like any of them. So I've kind of created my own. Um, I use Outlook day to day for my emails. And you can set that thing up to do certain uh, things that you want it to do. Um, so you can create your own systems, kind of modify those to fit your personality type, your work style. Um, and also your clientele, like everybody's working with different people depending on kind of what geographical location you're in um, and also just kind of where your network is. And so you want to kind of gear your, um, your whole position and how you approach things based on how they do. I work with a lot of oil and gas guys, engineers, um, you know, business owners. Um, they, they could care less and I can see them. Like you'll go in to do a listing presentation and you're going through it and they're just, you know, done for they could care less we understand we wouldn't have called you to begin with if we didn't think you had this stuff going they want to get down to the nitty-gritty and so like kind of understanding who you're working with being able to react quickly um, those things make a big difference and it's also the same I have some clients they don't want to hear from me unless I have a, a contract in hand or um, something very and then important you have other clients them. Every once morning, want to hear morning. from you every oh, single day. Every absolutely, single day. six a.m. What's going on with this listing? I'm doing like a market analysis update with a client every morning. So it just you have to kind of figure out your clients, understand where they're coming from, and then uh, set it up appropriately for that. So I love the systems too. Don't don't have to be complicated. You're not the first agent I've heard that says I just use Outlook. You, you don't have to have all the bells and whistles. It's just more about having something that will keep you on track. What about you, Renee? What do you wish you had known earlier? I wish I would have listened to my coaches. One of my coaches, Tamara, uh, man in the, in, the, in the audience, she was my first coach, yeah. and I wish I listened to her more. I listened, I did a lot of what she told me to do, um, but I, the database, she said to plug people in your database, and I wouldn't. I was just moving, I was moving fast, 
Um, and it's, and I'm the, my personal profile, it's just too much of a slow game and data entry, that's just not me. Um, so I wish I would have listened to her. Um, and I can feel maybe in the room seven people that are saying, what's the best database? Uh, what's the best content manager? The, um, and, and it's gonna be, the, the answer is the one that you're gonna use. It's, if it's Outlook or Excel, I've used Top Producer, I've used Infusionsoft. They all do the same thing, by do, the yeah. way. <laughs> so you just have to get comfortable with one, with one and just feed it. That's, that's it, and that, that was probably my biggest mistake, is not feeding my database at a very young age, and I'm still bad at it. Mm -hmm. I have people that do it for me now, um, so that's just, uh, that, that's convenient, but it's, 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 it's doing your database, and then the other thing is not getting tied up into the outcome. Um, the business, unfortunately, any business, any sales business, it's a numbers game. Like I said, 50 no's, you get two yeses. Um, some of them, sometimes I get F-bombed. I do, I, I'll do live training at 715 for my team um, and for other people uh, that join my Zoom calls where I'll make live calls and I'll get F-bombed in front of an audience of 15 <laughs> people that are on Zoom where, you know, I'll hear little giggles in the background where, like, to me, it's just, I'm numb to it, I don't feel it. I just wish them a good day and you go on to the next call. Um, if you learn scripts and you memorize scripts, there's only a series of like five questions to ask buyers and five questions to ask sellers, just memorize them. People are afraid to make calls because they don't have the scripts. Um, if you guys email me, I'll give you guys the scripts. And I've, got, I've had coaches, I've paid hundreds and thousands of dollars for coaching um, and I've, I've had maybe 15, my best one was Tamara. Um, and, um, and, I, and everyone has a different script and I've accumulated them and it's like, hey agent, new agent, read this. If you don't have it memorized, just freaking read it. I even told my admin, my admin are, they're not salesy. I say, you just read this whenever there's an opportunity, just read them and, and what you do is you say, I've got a series of questions. Do you mind if I ask you one? Um, and they'll say yes, and you say, well, here's number one. And you just, you just literally just read the question. So um, knowing the scripts, not getting tied up in the outcome and the database is going to be for, for rookies or, you know, and, and any, any stage of your business, that's huge, database. I know some people, I feel like scripts get a bad name sometimes. People are like, oh, I don't want to read script. Like, I want to be myself, and it doesn't sound. If there's anything that you say over and over again, it's a script. You know, it doesn't have to be something somebody gave you. You can make it your own. But if you repeat it, it it's a script. I've got a little tip for that. Because, yeah, you don't want to sound salesy or scripty. Yeah. Here's the key. If you, if you role play every day and you say the same script over and over and over again, at that moment, it's internalized. And then the game gets really good where once you know what to say on your next question, like once my client is on the third word, I already know where they're going and I already know where I'm gonna take them next. It's like, it's like a video game. It's like, it's real estate chess with words. And they're just, just cause I have it memorized. I've got it memorized. So it, it won't, and then it just sounds, once you have them internalized, it, it sounds like a conversation. And that's where it's, it's a game changer. Once it, it doesn't, they don't feel like they're being sold. Um, and it'll just come off just really, really natural. Um, and when you get to that level, you like when you're advising people and you're helping people, you'll get goosebumps when you're talking to people and you're you're helping people and you're able to listen. So it's it's scripts. Don't be afraid of them. If you're going to read them, yeah, you're going to suck. <laughs> Memorize them and internalize them and practice them. It's huge. Love it. 
Well, and thank you for offering to share those. That's awesome. Um, and even if you don't want to use his, just think about the questions you get asked all the time and think about, a, spend a few minutes and think about a good reply and write them out. And then you use your own words whenever, whenever it comes up. I want to stick on systems for a little bit longer, really, but just because I'm a big believer in them. I've learned the hard way too over my career. And I also think too, the best way to get new business is to take really good care of the people you have right now. <laughs> if that's two lease clients, then cool. Like you take the absolute best care of those two lease clients. And a lot of that comes from, from the systems you have in place. So we'll go back to you, Kristen. Is there a particular system or thing that you do every single time that you really feel helps or makes a difference or keeps, keeps you on track? No. <laughs> <laughs> do you need some systems? Should we talk about it? Um, no, I mean, I do, I do use my CRM. I do try to kind of, uh, I do not have, I am, you know, the anti, I don't have a transaction coordinator, I don't have anything, and I know everyone says, you should have one, and it would help, and I'm just okay. too set if my it's ways to do you, that. I um, so I just do the best I can every day to kind of make a couple of calls, do the pop buys, do the things, but I agree, I don't advertise really at all. Um, it is mostly my sphere, and, and people can see what we've done. Absolutely, and I will clear my schedule and go over and visit with them. Um, it's noticing things. You know, social media is great because there's no secrets anymore. Mm -hmm. Somebody had a baby, sending them a little something, um, sending them a card. Somebody's mom passed away. You see it, you know, on social media. Send a card, send some flowers. Um, it's little things like that. It doesn't have to be grand. And in this day and age, that's, I think, so much of that, you know, people can't even write out happy birthday on your Facebook anymore. HBD. I'm like, whoa, thanks. Um, you know, I mean, just being actually writing a handwritten card and sending it out to them is just stands out comparatively. Um, and I think that, that I'm consistent about is really just maintaining the relationships with the people that I have that have trusted me and know me. And and have, ref you know, have referred me and letting them know you appreciate that and rewarding the action, not the outcome. You know, I have had plenty of people who have referred me and for whatever reason that hasn't worked out. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you don't get a referral gift. Mm -hmm. You still gave my name, that still counts for something mm -hmm. all day, every day. Um, and I think people, that, especially now, that personal stuff really, really matters. I literally was just telling this to my team earlier this week. I'm reading a book it's called The Power of Moments, and it's all about that kind of stuff, recognizing, uh, they say, the peaks. So somebody's birthday, somebody's anniversary, their kid gets into college, the, the pits of life, maybe their grandmother passed away, maybe their, something happened to their dog, and then milestones, and really making a big deal out of those things. That's what bonds people to you, you know, when you, when you offer that kind of service. So other than Outlook, Dane, <laughs> do you have any other systems that you use that you have in place? So I do, um, you know, on the, on the buy side, once they've purchased a home, we kind of, we have a set up a, it goes for a year and essentially sends them out six, you know, cards throughout the year for various things, um, just as a follow up, you know, but you can do like one thing and I, I, I'm this way, like, cause you know, salespeople, I, I purchase things, uh, they put you on a list, you get these automated things. It's like an annoyance for me. And so I've wanted to try and avoid that in my business. Now, some of it's necessary. It's like a reminder, bring you to the top of their mind. But, you know, I think the personal, like, random stuff is 
works the best. And that's been the most success for me in terms of getting referrals or repeat business. And it's literally like driving through a neighborhood. Oh, I wonder what John's doing. I'll just shoot him a quick text. Hey, man, hope you're good. I was just thinking about you. Like that simple. And then boom, it's like, oh, man, we were actually thinking about you. My grandma's moving, blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, that it's insane to me how often that works. Whereas you can go do a mailer for six months and maybe a couple of people hit you back. And, you know, so... I think like the personal touch, and we do have the advantage, like she was mentioning, everything's out there. So if it is somebody's birthday, shoot them a quick text. It doesn't have to be a handwritten card that you take to the post office and go through this whole thing, like the little quick things. Swing by, I mean, sometimes I'm cruising through a neighborhood, I see one of my clients standing outside, roll up and roll the window down. How you doing? Dang, man, what, what are you doing over here? <laughs> Selling houses, that's right, you know? Like, so I think a lot of it is just kind of like, I mean, and. Again, it goes with your style. You got to do what's going to work for you. It's just like the CRMs. Uh, there's been certain ones that I've started on, and I'm like, I'm never going to do this. Yeah. I'm just not. I, I don't have time, um, and I'm just. It doesn't fit my my personality and my style. It's the same as if you get somebody to manage your social media. I can tell when an agent does that. Like, I mean, it's insane when they start posting about oh, lower your auto insurance rates. It's like, what is that? You know, it's so obvious. Um, you're much better off. I feel like posting a quick something regarding something that you're working on than trying to just, I'm going to make sure I get these three posts out a week, whatever they are. And so, but again, that's my style. Um, everybody has different things that work for them. It's just like him. I, I'm, I feel like I'm like, we're spaced uh, We put you in this order on purpose. Yeah, because uh, I would love to be as organized and, and uh, involved in the systems as that. And I, you know. Keep talking. Um, I lost my shoe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just kind of finding whatever works for you and what also works for your clientele. I mean, I, like I said, you know, I get annoyed with some of the because we're inundated with uh, consistent um, automation calls and emails and mailers and um, as a realtor. So, you know, I don't want to do that to my clients. So it's kind of finding that balance in, in understanding your clients. So I love that both of your answers, too, were stuff that's totally outside of the real estate transaction. You know, you're talking about things after closing or thing, you know, birthdays and things that had nothing to do with them buying or selling a house. So, okay, Renee, how about you? Any system that you're just, scripts we know. Yep, I like your 555 yep. five, five, yep. uh, system. What else? So the, the, um, I've had, so I'm in a little group with, and Gary Keller of Keller Williams is, is the mentor of this, of this really neat group that they run fast and, um, and I'm probably the, the lowest producer in that group. Like these guys are just monsters throughout the country. And Gary will, will we see him uh, a couple, like four times a year. And, for, and I've been part of the group for about 10 years and he always tells, he always says this on the, on, when we're together, he says it's, it's about systems and staff. One time he even sent us home. He's like, it's about systems and staff, get out of here. Um, it, it's, it's, so, it's so huge that the producers in that room, we run real fast. Um, but you can only do so much. You can only, once you, you're going to plateau at a hundred transactions, 150 transactions, and then it's all about the next, to, to, to go to the next level, it's about systems and staff. So we've got a system called Mojo. Um, I don't know if y'all heard of Mojo. It's a triple dialer where I buy a bunch of leads or a lot of leads in the system and it calls three people at a time. So you've just tripled it. It's, and it's not that expensive. I, heard, I thought I heard someone say something about expensive. It's not that expensive. It's, um, it's, uh, it's actually, it's, it's pretty cheap, but it keeps you organized. Um, and I've dummied the systems down where I just need bulldog agents that aren't afraid of, the, of, of calling. And then they just show up, I click a little button and it's calling three people at once. Um, that system is a, a really, it, it keeps things organized. And I'm not organized, I am, I am 
real bad at organization, but I've been doing it for a while where I just hire people to do the things that I don't like doing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I like that y'all are all very different too. So I mean, if, if you need, you're new and you need business, where are you going to go get that business? And some people do the online leads, you know, cold calling, things like that. Some people are really working their database and their sphere. So you can do it anyway. I think it's just a matter of actually doing it is the biggest thing. So you meant you do a lot of online lead gen. Dane, where does most of your business come from? Are you spending a lot on marketing or? No, um, it's just referrals. Now I do in, in that sense, so he's, he's cold calling. Um, I'm calling my network and literally just fishing for business through past clients. Like in a lot of this stuff, you don't realize it, but you already have the database. So for example, it's this simple. You can go back to your sold transactions in HAR. Just start going back. Oh man, I haven't talked to them in a while. Look at the houses that you've sold. Oh, I wonder what they're doing. Send them something. Um, and it's, it's amazing to me on some random email or phone call or text message that I send that it stirs something up. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then it's just about taking care of those people. They'll continue to do that. I mean, um, it, it's just so rewarding as well when you have somebody who is like, we were just talking about you. We need you to help, you know, this person or that person. Of course, like we have, you know, California is just flooding Texas right now, obviously. And so you, it's funny because I sold one a house. It was a fantastic transaction. They loved it. And now their chiropractor's coming, their aunt's coming, mom's coming, brother's coming. Um, so it, you know, that's an approach. There's different angles. You can certainly uh, do the cold calling, the mail outs, the farming, um, and those will yield results. Um, but I think a lot of it is like, look at your network um, and, then, and then go after it. And, and also, you know, if you find that you're in a niche, you know, I've done a lot of corporate relocation for a long time. And uh, so I've gotten in with those guys, and, and so that's become uh, somewhat of a niche for me. And I understand where they're at and what they're doing, and understanding, I think, any of your customers in any business that you're in um, is going to help you to be more successful. So just understanding what, it's just like I was saying earlier, I know what they want when I go and I have an engineer, I know how this listing presentation is going to go, right? Like I know exactly what to focus on, what to bypass. Hey, I'm going to leave the, this with you. Pictures, fluff, you right. know, stuff that engineers love. <laughs> right. Or if I have a client who's just like, you're the expert. That's why you're here. I don't really care. Just get it done. Okay, cool. Like then I'll take off and run. And then you have others like my client this morning who want to know every single thing that's and what this agent down the street's doing. Can you follow up with these buyers that looked at the house, you know, five days ago and, and just every little thing. So it's just kind of understanding your clientele and, and approaching it that way. So, How about you, Kristen? Where does most of your business come from? It's pretty much all sphere. Um, I would say it, it's sphere and it's quite frankly, I'm old school. I still love sitting in an open house. I love sitting in my listings and shaking hands and just meeting people face to face, face like face. that. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, I know that that's my strength when I, I meet somebody and we either connect or quite frankly, sometimes we don't, um, but which is okay, which that's, is okay. you don't want to work with that person, um, which is okay. But I, I still really enjoy just that face. I am not, I know we have to do calls and it is a part of the business and I, I make them, but that's not a part of the business that I enjoy. Yeah. Um, I really love going and having a glass of wine with a client or, you know. <laughs> or a referral of theirs, or standing in an open house and just, you know, making goo-goo faces at people's adorable fat cheek babies, um, th things like that. That's, that really is what works for me. That's where a lot of my stuff comes from, and then they just end up in my database, and then they refer me, and it just, I mean, when you do it long enough, and if you stick with it, it does just it snowballs. fan out and it snowballs. snowballs. Uh -huh. What about you, Renee, do you have something to add? No, I, 
I just, just a little aha moment. What, what she's saying compared to what I, we, we are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it, we're just talking to people. I, I do it a leveraged way where I'm doing it at a, at a, at a, at a fast rate and she's doing it in a, at an open house. But the key is, it's the same thing. It's talking to people. So the, the, and what I'll tell my team and I'm telling you guys, if you guys wanna do a big, run a big business, make some good money, set a goal for how many people you're gonna, new people you're gonna talk to per day. Just do five, set it at five. Um, and from the moment you're in real estate mode to, to when you go to sleep, you just have to do five. Um, and, and if you're at Kroger and, and it's 5 p.m., you're tired and you've only done one, one contact, you got four more to go, you just, it, when you're in line at a Starbucks or Kroger, just wherever, here's the script. It's like, hey, my name's Renee, what keeps you busy? That's it. Like, you know, and, and that's if you can't think of anything. If you, don't, if you don't know what to say or you can't say cute baby or nice dog, what breed is it? Um, my name's Renee, what keeps you busy? You just want to engage in conversations. If you, if you don't do your five per day, the next day you've got 10. You play, if, you can, if you can gamify this thing, it's, it, it, you're, you'll win. There's no way to lose. There's a guy in my office, I can't think of his name, I wouldn't say it, his English is not his uh, first language. He's got a real bad accent, um, but he shows up every day. Um, his car's already there and he's always on the board. He's always on the leaderboard. It's just, it, he just puts in the work. There's no other way around it. it you just got, you have to talk to people, whether it's the open house, it, she's got it down, or sales calls, it's just talking to people, that's it. Yeah, it's all conversations, that's for sure. So one of the things, and a couple, I think almost each of you have mentioned it at some point, uh, let's talk about dealing with rejection. <laughs> because there's just, there, you're not gonna bat a thousand in this job, no matter how awesome you are. And learning how to be numb to it and get past it and not let it knock you down and keep you down. Renee, you talked about it a little bit. So talk, what are some of the things that you've learned to, to get over that, the fear of rejection, getting right back up whenever something happens? What it, what, um, it, it still stings. I still, it still hurts me. It's not fun. <laughs> it, you know, it's not fun, but that's not, that's not our job is to go have fun. It's, it's, it's hard work sometimes. So if you gamify it and if you have a contact little game that you're going to play, um, you're just, you're one, you have to realize, and I realize that I'm just, I get a no or I get F-bombed. I'm like, perfect. I'm one step closer to the S. Like, I'm, I'm almost there, you know. That's, that, that's Thank all you. I can do. Thank you for <laughs> cursing at me. And yeah. Up. No, you just kill them <laughs> with kindness. You don't snap back at them and I've got a loaded gun like with things to when someone says something oh I have little zingers like I can I can make them feel bad because they made me feel bad but I, I just bite my tongue and that's a big a big thing that I've got to teach some of my team is to bite your tongue there's a guy that does very well on the team and he'll he, often he'll say what he thinks too often <laughs> where it's just gonna piss them off whether it's the other agent or whether it's the client you have to, you have to, one of the biggest negotiating tools is to bite your tongue and shut up. Um, saying too much is, it, it, can, it can go against you. So um, we do motivational Mondays. Uh, we wa just watching videos about rejection. My family, I love my family, but if I don't hit certain numbers, well, they can't do private school. Our wife can't get this. Or, and, and one of my coaches told me, one of my coaches told me, a while back, he was like, guess what? No one gives a crap about you, Renee. No one cares about you, how you feel. You're the provider. You go do what it takes. That's it. If not, you have to go back to your, you know, you, the biggest pain is, is regret and not doing that hard work. 
Um, so it's, it's mindset. Mindset is everything in, uh, in, in sales. So. What about you, Dane? How do you it, handle it, rejection? It is tough. Like, there's just no way around it. Um, but I will say this, um, you know, and, it, and I've made an effort and I've seen it come full circle. Like, if it, lose with grace. Uh, just don't, it's so tempting uh, to, to, to go at it. Yeah, yeah. It is so tempting. But, you know, I, I, I'd have a recent example. I went on a listing appointment. Hey, the neighbors recommended you. I wanted to meet with you. And he told me up front, I'll be honest with you. I am meeting with the agent that sold me the home. And we went through, and he sent me this really nice email, actually, um, basically letting me know that he was going to use the agent that sold him the home. But he just said, you were extremely impressive. Um, you know, I thought that your presentation was was really good. You obviously know what you're doing. It was a very tough decision, but she's been, you know, communicating with me and assisting me with preparation over the years. And I just really want to, uh, to, to stay and use that agent. And, you know, I sent him back an email. I just said, like, you know, loyalty is a big thing in this business, and I can totally appreciate that. And just said some really positive things to him. Best of luck to you, and move on. And the funny thing is, he's referred me to someone. So how crazy is that? I didn't get his listing, but he referred me to someone else. So um, just always know that there might be another opportunity around the corner before you just, you know, uh, blow a head gasket. So, what about you, Kristen? Well, that's kind of touching on what I was going to say. Is I, I mean, it, yeah, it stinks, and alcohol helps. I mean, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> And the gangster rap and the wine <laughs> help you cope, or your coping mechanism. Put on a mechanism. little Tupac and have a couple glasses of Cabernet, and you won't feel so bad about it anymore. But um, I mean, I think the other thing is to really look at it to touch on that. Sometimes it's not a no. Sometimes it's a not now. Um, I think we've probably all had that too, where we didn't get it the first time, and then we've all muttered, "Oh, look who they hire! Well, that bitch, you don't know what she's doing." And you know, two two months later. They're calling you going, you know what, we've really been unhappy. Um, we really liked you. We'd like, you know, if you would still be interested, we'd love to list with you. I mean, mm -hmm. I think we've all had that. Or somebody has, for some other reason, or the relative who just got their real estate license. Yeah. Oh, you were great, but yeah. my Aunt we've Susie just that, got I'm her sure. realtor uh -huh. license, so I have to hire her. But then they refer mm -hmm. you to somebody else. Um, so, I mean, that's really just the, you just have to learn to let it roll and just kind of think, well, okay, so not today. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean no, and that's where losing with grace and, you know, keeping it classy so that hopefully you're on their radar. I mean, and people are in and out of this business all the time. You know, maybe their realtor is ready to retire, and the next time they move, they call you. Yeah, we've all had the client who goes to a builder, you know, the client that loved you, and they're like, oh, stop by builder this weekend. And I said, you know, I mean, just those are things that happen. I think resiliency is, is a big thing in this one. Okay, let's get into technology a little bit. I don't know how techy you guys are. Any um, apps, things that you use daily in your business? Definitely. Outlook. Well, I mean, everything I have is link sync, dinging, buzzing, you know, um, so one of it is just trying to stay on top of it. Uh, there is, I mean, again, I think it boils down to your style and um, you, and try and also be open minded, try some different things. There's definitely things that I've tried that I didn't think I would like that I've loved and implemented. And there's things that I've tried that I thought would be great and life changing. And they've just been a big waste of my time. So a lot of it is we always call it like learning by braille, right? Like you're feeling your way through the business trying to understand um, what does work for you and what doesn't. And if you go into our, my office, for example, um, and go amongst the top producing agents, we none of us do everything exactly the same. Um, 
So it's just kind of understanding what works for you. You know, even out of the social media, that's a big one, right? Like some people love Instagram. Some people love Facebook. Some people love posting videos on YouTube. Um, some people are on those apps right now and not yeah. listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably. So, and, and kind of understanding what your clients like as well. Like I've understood like Facebook. I have a, a lot of my clientele is an older demographic. Facebook is where they all hang and post pictures of their grandkids. They're and not on TikTok. So no, so yeah, actually I don't even have TikTok. So there you go. Like I, I, that's, uh, understanding your clients, I think is like a, something that you just really got to look at. Who am I working with? Who am I dealing with? Where are they? Um, and then utilizing those. And then from an organizational perspective, it's just things that you know work for you because everybody has some people are constantly on their calendar, right? Everything is kind of set throughout the day. Some people have days of the week where they're addressing certain things. So I think it's just building a structure that kind of fits you. Um, and, and utilizing that and then understanding like I see when I pulled up I was cracking up because I see people doing their, their videos and yeah. like that's just not me I don't, I don't do that so you know but I have other avenues that I go through and so it's just kind of understanding what works for you and what you're comfortable with that's what I love about them. in my own office there are top producers that are analytical engineers are never on social media and there are top producers who are always on social media I love that you can make it work no matter what what about you Renee any apps tech stuff that you use that you just can't live without yeah, so I have an MIS degree, a technology degree, and I got tricked into that one. It was, I freaking hate it. I hate technology, so I'm, I'm, I have people that do it for me. Um, the, the, one, the one app that, I, um, that we use for the team to motivate the team is GroupMe. Yeah. We can kind of, we just, we compete against each other. Um, so you, whenever someone sets an appointment, we have certain goals, and we just all kind of communicate through GroupMe. Other than that, it's the same thing, social media. I'm like you, I freaking hate social media. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, however, and you sell a lot of houses still, so well, you know. I, I have well, I hire a girl. Her name's Bridget. She's the best. I can give you her information. She gets she gets into my phone and and she just says, just take pictures. She grabs the pictures and she'll just write some stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the thing is, uh, you've got to do at least two posts: one business and one uh, of your kids or your dog or, or something personal. Um, and I'm not a social media coach, but I just try to dumb it down and just I, I hold my guys accountable to do to do two posts. Um, and, and I don't, I don't like it, so I hire someone to do it. It's, it's big because there are some agents that are bad agents, but they do, they're perceived as really good agents because of social media. And I've lost deals to those clowns. Uh -huh. It is what it is. Uh -huh. if, if you're not doing it, they're gonna take market share from you. So I just kind of, I, I, I do what I'm told. They, they're making me do it and, and it works. The ROI is there, it's not that expensive either. That's pretty basic, too. One, po one business post, one personal post. I feel like most people could do that. What about you, Kristen? I am not super techie, um, but I do use Facebook. I don't follow any rules with Facebook, and anybody who's my Facebook friend in this room knows that, <laughs> and they are all shaking their head right now. Um, but I do use that as a jumping-off tool. Um, I do generate business from that. I have a business Facebook page that gets all the random circle pics refinance your home, yeah. click here to know how. Uh -huh. And people are like, hey, I found that really interesting. And I'm like, oh, did I post something smart? <laughs> Great. You should have gone to my personal page because right. way more fun smart. over there. Because there was a porch pig yesterday, y'all, when I showed a house. Did you post it? <laughs> Not yet. Oh, it's coming. Okay. Um, but so I do use that. Uh, I don't use a lot of other. I, I do like the, um, the title apps, just especially with multiple offers. They have a lot of good tools for really drilling down on what the, when you plug in all the terms in this contract, 
what's the bottom line? And that's a real fast resource when you're sitting at a kitchen table to do that math. Um, what's the difference if they're paying title, if they're not, with this price, with that? If we add in the home warranty, where's the bottom line? Um, I do like that. And I mean, honestly, I do some REO property and stuff like that. And there's an app called Lawn Guru that you can literally order a lawn mode. And if you've got Ooh, I need that. a vacant it's property a with grass up to here uh -huh. and the seller's like, I don't know, my lawn guy hasn't come or whatever, you can plug it in, order. And I have done that on vacant property and it's just handy. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I use a lot of personal tech stuff, but we all know in this business, highest and best use of your time. Mm -hmm. it, if ordering groceries for pickup and having them dumped on my front, it, that's two hours in my day that I can lead generate or do something else instead. I love me some Instacart and some DoorDash. There you go. Uh -huh. So yeah. Specs also has an app. Okay, yes. Instacart will deliver from Specs. <laughs> you guys are really getting all the valuable information today. What are well, you doing? And just to throw out a couple specific apps, I will say like day to day. One is this, a scanner, a good phone scanner. I, I use that thing. Yeah. It's insane. Mine's Scanner Pro. There's a bunch of them out there. Being able to like, I'm sitting at a listing appointment. Oh, I have a copy of the, uh, you know, the survey. Are you going to need that? It's like, boom, done. You know, you're just saving a folder. These kinds of things streamline. You're not going back after the fact. Taking hey, you send that, and they're scanning it sideways and all this. So, um, Scanner Pro, and then you know, I love DocuSign. There's certain ones that we get for free. I try them out. I've tried out some of the ones that Har offers. For me, DocuSign works. My clients love it. I love it. It's easy to use. Yes, you have to pay for it, but it's worth every penny. Um, so some of those like standardized like through the procedures. Videolicious is another one. If you want to make a quick video that looks decent and has some um, tools that you can utilize to make it look professional, I really find that app to be uh, helpful. Um, especially if you're doing open houses, I think Videolicious is awesome for open houses because you can make a quick video, um, send it out. It's going to highlight your open house and give people something to look at. So. Some of those are very helpful as well. Anything that makes you more efficient, I'm, I'm a big fan of. I know we, we use Canva. That's probably, I'm trying to think of the apps on my phone. We use, uh, use Canva to create social media posts and things like that. And then, uh, yeah, Supra, Showing Time. You know, there's, what, I'm like, whatever's on your phone that, that can help you in your business is good. Let's talk really quickly. I know we have some vendors in the room. What's important to you when it comes to, we mentioned earlier, having good partners. So what's, what's something you look for in a vendor uh, that, would make someone be someone you want to partner with? Uh, well, I think kind of touching on what Dane said earlier, not being salesy, don't send me, don't put me on your email list and spam me 400 more emails in my inbox. I know where you are. I will find you when I need you. <laughs> um, really being part of the team and, and really presenting themselves that way to your client. I mean, I really enjoy when a, when a home inspector comes up or send, you know, follows up after an appointment set with my client and says, you know, I'm here to help. I, Kristen is a wonderful agent. You're in great hands. We're, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to be part of her team. I'll be there at 8 a.m. Would love for you to be there. Um, I, that sort of stuff. Um, good communication when you're dealing with lenders, even, even when you don't have good news. Uh, I think there's a real bad habit, especially with lenders. When things are going sideways, they would prefer not to talk to you uh, in hopes that they get it fixed. I, I would like good news too, but pick up the phone, let me know, we've hit a hump, I'm working on it. Um, communication is just key because we have a lot of clients who that's really important too. And if they can't get any, if I can't get the response, you're, I look at everybody, they're all a reflection on me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I want them to reflect the way I do business. Mm -hmm. How about you, Dane? 
For me, it's just when you have a problem. That's when I know if it's somebody I want to work with in the future. I'm serious. So if you have a problem, it's how they handle it. Do they disappear and now they're suddenly unreachable or they have no solutions to offer or they don't want to admit that it was their problem or that something that, that that's on their side? Um, so working through a transaction, you run into a problem. That's when I really feel like they kind of showcase whether or not I would like to continue working with them in the future. Um, I just had a situation uh, with a, a property and actually uh, he advertises in uh, Real Producers. The buyer uh, from several months ago suddenly sent out an email to everybody that was involved in the transaction basically stating that there was an issue with the roof and that it was from, you know, uh, during, uh, it was an item that he had requested to be repaired during the transaction. Well. Um, he sent this pretty scathing email to uh, the contractor that did the work. Well, the funny thing is, um, uh, he responded extremely quickly, um, offered him, said, hey, I, I want to come out and look at it. Um, if it's something that was our fault, then we'll refund you your money. Very quick to respond, very quick to take action. And then a few hours later, the seller, or the buyer, excuse me, um, sent out an email and said, you know what, actually I had another person come out and take a look at it, had nothing to do with the original problem that we discussed, don't send me any money, I appreciate your time, thanks for your quick response. So that's what I'm saying, like he could have just disappeared. That's a good vendor, or, that's a yeah. good vendor. Right and, uh, and so those are the kinds of actions that I look for and now I will definitely be calling him in the future because I know he's gonna have my back when somebody's coming at me for something that, you know, that transpired, so. What do you look for, Renee? Uh, it, it's pretty basic. It's, uh, I ask them up front to protect my time um, and, uh, and just to be the best. Like, it's very basic. Like, do your job and do it very, very well because I want to only be affiliated with the best. Um, and if you're not the best, you screw up, well, then I would just have to replace. Um, I, I, don't, I don't like that. I'll, and, and what I'll do is we'll have, when I'm about to get into a relationship with a vendor, we'll go have lunch and I'll say, I want to have a real estate baby with you. I want to marry you and have a real estate baby with you. And when the baby poops, that's your diaper. You clean the diaper. Don't give me the diaper back. Handle, <laughs> handle it um, because when it comes back to me, then I have a problem. If, if I have to put out the fire or, 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 or clean the diaper, then I'm not, then I don't have time to go get us more deals. Mm -hmm. Protect my time, do the best. That's it, like it's very basic. So now you've learned about how to get a lawn mowed and real estate poop. I mean, <laughs> if you haven't got your money's worth today, this was free, so you definitely got your money's worth. Um, a couple more things, and then we're gonna get to, to y'all's Q&A. Uh, one thing that you brought up that I think would be good to touch on is we talked about when something goes wrong, how we want a vendor to respond, but let's talk really quickly about handling tough times in a transaction and the best way to get through that. Because obviously, not every deal is gonna go smoothly and you, you wouldn't be here and continue to get business from your sphere if you didn't know how to handle those challenges and do a good job with it. So, so Renee, let's start with you. What are some things you would advise when, when transactions start to go bad? You, I, I will get pulled in. If, it, if it's going to go bad and I need to get pulled in, I will get pulled in. Um, there have been times where I've had bad closings where I was the mover. Like, the move, like they had to be out by 5 o'clock or something, and I actually moved. Uh, I, I, I helped move a client and pick up boxes and stuff for hours. Um, there's, you, you have one brand, and it's you. You've got to do whatever it takes to make sure that the deal is perfect for your clients. It's all about the clients. Filling yourself with the right vendors will just help you to not get involved unless something's really bad. Mm -hmm. What about you, Dane? 
I think one thing is uh, your first reaction kind of dictates how things are going to go from there. So careful how you respond to the problem. I see a lot of agents just fly off the handle instantly, and then it turns out that it wasn't even either as big of a deal as what they thought, or it wasn't that exact problem. It was something else that just, you know what I'm saying? So like, take a step back, analyze what you're working with, um, maybe come up with a couple solutions before you start pointing fingers and just going crazy. Um, you know, I mean, the other thing is, is experience. There's problems that come up that you never see coming, never seen before. Um, so don't be afraid to go reach out to uh, somebody that's maybe been doing it longer or something like that. But I think, you know, the biggest thing is, I think that first reaction, I just see so often agents just blow up and, and send things careening off the cliff when we could have probably hashed it out uh, civilly. So that's good, that's good advice. What about you? No, I agree with that 100%. I think that, you know, immediately let's just, you know, there's a lot of parties involved. Let's just figure it out calmly. Nobody wants to be screamed at. And, and our clients feed off our, our energy. So it, if you freak out and start hollering, that immediately um, sets off alarm bells to them. Just give it a minute. Let's think about it. And I mean, making it right. If, if it was me, none of us are perfect. Um, sure, we've made mistakes, John. Room full of agents. Has anybody ever bought a survey? I'm sure somebody's bought a survey because you checked the wrong box or forgot to send it or something. I, I mean, there's no point in arguing about it. You just own it and go, I screwed up. I didn't get that there. Here's my $500. There's a survey. Um, you know, things like that. We've all moved boxes or paid a housekeeper because our people left the house filthy or paid yep. to have a lawn mowed. Um, I mean, no one likes to do that, but this is a long game. You know, if you just look at this one little transaction and just trying to get it over the finish line and cash your check, that, that's where it ends. You've got you've to keep that momentum. And, and it's the same thing going back to co-oping with agents. If you're the agent that I know the minute something goes sideways, the horns are going to come out, you're going to be screaming at me, you're not at the top of my suggested accepted offer list. If you're one that I know says, okay, let's think about what makes sense on this. Mm -hmm. So how about we split the cost of the maid for this house because my people thought it was going to be professionally cleaned and it, that's not what the contract says and your people left it filthy. Let's, let's do that. I'm literally paying for a pool cleaning right now. I was texting with them before this because of, of a closing. Uh, I, I have a real estate coach, too. I don't I know Renee has one. Do you guys have coaches, either one of you? Um, and he, he always talks about you need to shield your clients from the emotion. of you know. So if you get all riled up and then you turn around and go to your client and go, you won't believe what the seller said, you really have to be, be the shield, and you absorb all that and then turn around and give your client advice in the most professional and best way. Okay, almost time for our audience Q&A. One last, I'm gonna ask one personally that I wanna know. I'm a big um, routine person, uh, so I'm always curious to hear, and I've noticed most top producers don't just fly by the seat of their pants every day, you know, they have some type of routine. So, so what's a normal day look like in the life of a top producer? This is where First I the gangster rap the and then the wine, no. or? <laughs> um, no, I, I do try to get, you know, mindset I try to I'm a runner I like to run or go to the gym some sort of a, a workout um, to kick things off uh, I mean it really just depends on my calendar it's more about like a Lego schedule for me these are all the things that I need to get done and depending on what that schedule looks like that's where we slot I call it Tetris yes. I'm like here's slot my appointments where in. can I fit in but you do it until until 
um, until they're all done. If, um, and if that's eight o'clock, okay. If it's four o'clock, even better. Um, but I guess the consistent things for me are, I do try to get some sort of a workout in. I do, I am not a pleasant person if I do not get eight hours of sleep. So I am at a certain point, if it's 1 a.m., I'm no good. It doesn't matter if I still have a bucket list of work, I have to go to sleep. Um, I mean, aside from that, it, it's just the same things. It's just how they fit. It's just how they fit together. And this business really is, you do the same things over and over. I mean, it really is rinse and repeat. <laughs> Even a transaction, you do the same thing over and over again. So what about you, Dame? Yeah, same. Uh, I think... Are you in the office every day? Or I do, so I, I have to go into the office. I know, like, a lot of people work from home. I will get distracted. I love, uh, you know, there's I have a lot of hobbies. I don't get to necessarily do them that often because of this job, but I do have a lot of hobbies. If I stay home, I'll just inherently get sidetracked. So uh, I am an office person. I don't necessarily go in there all day. Usually in the morning, I kind of focus on online type stuff get out emails, any updates, um, paperwork, things of that nature, uh, follow up with my assistant to see where we're at and what's going on and who's going which direction, um, put out any fires. I always call like morning is uh, fire drill time. So, you know, especially after a weekend, you come in on Monday. Uh, I've been working all weekend. Everybody else is getting to work. And so, it, you know, likes to, as when like the problems seem to show their face. So um, kind of work through that. And then the afternoon I spend making phone calls um, and then going to any properties I need to go, things of that nature. So I do kind of have that routine, evening time, hang out with my son, kind of decompress a little bit. And then once he goes to bed, you know, I get my best work done uh, at night. I can just get in the zone. That's when I organize. Like I'm very like getting my files in order, getting my email in order, deleting stuff, like I spend that kind of couple of hours doing that. So uh, there is, you know, a fair amount of routine in the day-to-day. -day. I'm like Kristen. I'm like face down in the pillow at 9 o'clock. Like I'm, I'm done, done for. What, what's your normal day look like, Renee? So, so the reason that I'm in this chair only, it's not intelligence, it's consistency. <laughs> That's it. It's consistency. Every day, 7.15, I am war ready. My mind's right. If I've got to listen to Wu-Tang Clan or Tupac, whatever it is that I've got to do in my head, I've got to be war ready at 7.15 every day. Um, right now, I, and accountability partners, I've got two accountab accountability partners. Where one of them, I caught him not protecting his lead gen time. So I was like, all right, game on. 6.30 every day, you've got, to, before 7.15, before we're war ready, you've got to go handle all this crap that, all the excuses that are getting in, the, in your way and you've got to, you got to send an amendment like at, from 6.30 to 7.15. We're holding each other accountable to, to be at the office, to handle the, the crap that you've got to do. Um, or else you, if, you're, if it's 6.31, you put five bucks in, a, in and it goes every month. It, it's, it starts at zero. You put five bucks in um, if you're late on day one, and then it doubles. And it's 10 bucks if you're late again. And then it goes to 20, and then it goes to 40. Last month, he got 250 bucks from me. Uh, or something like that, a little over 200 bucks. Um, so having a role play, I mean not a role play partner, but accountability partner is huge. And then I've got another a coach that I commit to selling five houses every seven days and taking five listings every seven days. So I talk to him once a week. Um, and for every time that I don't hit one, um, I've got to show up at the office at five. So I showed up at five this morning and I've got to do it all week because I didn't hit my numbers. So playing these little games with accountability partners, it works. And the, the cool thing is that I got stuff done at 5 a.m. that I just, I have, I had 1,900 emails that I, that I had, and I get someone that weeds my emails out, and I have 1,900 that I have to respond to. I got it down to the 16s. 
So because of today, so like I'm real, I was real happy about that. Yeah. It's getting rid of all that and, and, and being, being in the office. I feel like that's a big excuse, right, is the time thing. You know, I don't have time. Yeah. I mean, you guys have the same 24 hours in a day that anybody else has, and yet look yep. what you're able to get done. And, so. and the rest of the day is lead generate, lead follow-up, go on appointments. That's it. I'll drop the mic. Like, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's ballgame. That, Rinse and repeat. Yeah. Do it again the next day. There we go. Okay, Maze, you got some questions? So my first one is actually for y'all. Is anyone looking for a $5 accountability partner? Because I'm open. I'll take your five <laughs> bucks. That'd be great. $250 in a month, I'll take it. Okay, so this one's for Renee. Uh, where do you get new leads? I buy them from uh, a system called Vulcan. I think it's called Vulcan. Um, and, and I buy them, I'm buying some from Facebook. We've got a budget. Uh, I think it might be about two grand a month. Um, and I don't run it, I just, um, they, it just comes out of my account. And all these leads, and we're getting other, all of our leads, they go into Mojo, they go into the system, and my, my agents, they just show up and click a button and, and, it, and it calls them, and it says where the source is. So be careful with buying leads. Everyone's gonna hear about, oh, have you purchased Google leads? It's the best in the world. It's, you, it, the, I've tried them all. I've, I've had Zillow leads and I fired them, and then I'm back again and I fired them. It's, it's, um, it's not a good thing to pay for business. The ROI is just not there. The return investments, it's not always there. So be careful with buying leads. Uh, I'm in a position where I have to have opportunities for my, my agents, so, or else they'll just leave me. Yeah. Vulcan, Vulcan. V U L. V, v is in Victor, U-L-C-A-N, Vulcan. And that's where I buy expireds, terminateds, and FISBOs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, next question is for Dane. What was the app that you used or use for creating videos? Videolicious is a good one. I mean, there's a few different ones out there, but Videolicious I just find to be very user-friendly. Um, and also, like I said, you can do it, if you're in an open house and maybe you got there a little early, you can knock it out so quickly. Um, I'm sorry, Videolicious is the name of it? Yeah, uh, like delicious, but video, but video in the beginning. Is that free or is it a paid app? I'm sorry? Is it free or is it a paid app? I, th I think it's it free. I don't want to, I may be lying. It may be something our brokerage offers, but I, don't, I know anybody can get it because I've seen other agents outside of our broker use it. But yeah, I just like it because you can, one is you can walk through and do a video with your phone, but if you already have professional photos or video, then you can put that in there. You can also, if you love looking at yourself, do a little um, you know, time where you talk to everybody. So you can customize it, allows you to put print overneath, I mean, uh, over the top so that you can put, you know, highlight uh, amenities, updates, features, things of that nature. So I just think that's an easy, quick one that you can kind of implement into any, any social media or marketing avenues. So. Easy and quick, that's what yeah. you need. Did you get that? Do you want me to spell it? Okay, <laughs> V-I-D-E-O, so video, and then licious, L-I-C-I-O-U-S. I feel like I'm in a spelling bee. There we go, right? <laughs> nice. Video licious. Your next word is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I quit. Um, okay, next question. What is your secret for self-care? How do you not end up drinking too much and divorced? And do you have a mandatory day off? Why love do I this feel question. Like this is I love this question. <laughs> Whoever asked this question. I feel like I know who this is geared for, but <laughs> anyone want to answer? I um I I try to exercise. 
30 minutes a day. And um, about six months ago, I started uh, in the boxing thing. Um, and that's, it's my medicine. Like it's, I just need to beat up something for 30 minutes. And I, and now I bought a, a bag that goes, it's in my garage and it's hot as crap in the garage. So I just sweat it out for 30 minutes. When it comes to relationships, which my one thing is my family, uh, my kids uh, and my wife, I, like sometimes I'll, go, I'll, I'll get home, at, I have to leave at 6.12 p.m. to get to my house at 6.30 p.m. Um, because they're expecting me. And the kids, they run and they hug me and that's like the best part of my day. Um, but sometimes I'll get there at, at 6.30 and I'm beat up and I have to, I have to say, okay, switch gears. Get out of the war zone, your husband and daddy. And I, I have to talk myself. I have to switch the gear. So it's, it's, um, it's like I live two different lives. And, but I've got to be engaged, and I can't be on my phone. And I, when my kids are saying, play Roblox with me, I don't want to play Roblox. With my, I have my phones blowing up, and, but I have to just concentrate and just be in the moment. So it's, it's hard to do. So do you take a mandatory day off? I don't smell the roses a lot. I don't. I don't. But um, but I, I'll hang. I, I hang out. Um, but I don't. Um, I, I should do it a lot more often. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, I mean, it's the same thing. So I think you just. I think you need a hobby outside of real estate, or like something, some kind of a passion outside of it, just to because it allows you to reset. Um, because even though I love doing this, there's days where I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like I'm just over it and being able to go and focus your energy and attention on something else. So for me, it's racing or helmet sports in general. Like once I put the helmet on, I'm in the zone. I'm thinking about nothing else other than what I'm doing. You know, fortunately my son's now at an age where we can share in that together and we're racing carts together. Um, but that's, that's for me, it's like a reset. And a lot of people are like, that sounds stressful, but for me, it's a de-stressor, but you got to find whatever it is you know my assistant she yoga trapeze that's her thing she goes and does that afterwards so you know what I mean like it allows us to focus during the day and also gives you something to look forward to which I think kind of helps move the day along and keep you pushing forward so, so that's what I do I definitely try to carve out an hour a day for some sort of exercise um, even if I'm just beat up and it's just putting your headphones on and going for the slowest most pathetic jog ever that the neighbors wonder if they should call EMS because I look <laughs> bad. Um, you know, that I think is important. I don't do a mandatory day off. I do just kind of like everything else in this business. It's time blocking and appointments. My kids are grown now for the most part, but if there was a concert, that's an appointment. It's on my calendar and it's non-negotiable. Um, if I've got whatever sort of personal commitment, I mean, those all go on the calendar just like anything else and they are appointments and they are non-negotiable in most instances, um, but not a full, not a set day. It's just, it's too hard in this business, at least for me, um, to do that. And really, I mean, I, I agree having some sort of a hobby. I love to cook, so when my kids finally move out, I'm going to be so fat, y'all, <laughs> um, because at least right now they still are home to eat. Um, but that, I find that comforting so I do if I don't have something in the evening you know if I'm home by six then definitely I'll I will be cooking something um that's just kind of my hobby I'm not really that good at it but <laughs> it gets done if you drink enough wine it all tastes good the question was how do you not drink so much <laughs> pass okay what about for you 
you know, it's funny. I just I heard things before. You know, listening to coaches, and they do say that something like 90 plus percent of all really success people that are considered highly successful exercise. And so I do think that, you know, consistently having something to do to, to, to sweat it out and get good. And then I think shutting it down, you have to shut it down. And it, I, I don't, an, I quit answering my phone after nine. I got a call, at, it was ringing at 9.15 and I was like, I'm not answering it. Like, we're done. We're done for the day. You have to learn when to turn it off because if you don't, it's, burnout is a big thing in this business. And so you really have to protect your time and your mindset and Work, work your ass off when it's time to work, and when it's time to shut it down, shut it down and be with your family and do your hobbies and do something fun. Okay, what do you put in your letters? And I'm assuming that this means like your personal letters. Yes? Offer letters. Oh, for the buyer offers, okay. All right, what do you put in your uh, offer letters? It depends. Um, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, if you've got a veteran and it's clearly a veteran home, maybe you talk about how they felt connected there. Um, it, it, I think that if you can come from a place of honesty, whatever that is, even if it's just, we are having such a freaking hard time getting a house, no one will even look at our offer, please, you know, consider us. Whatever that is, what, what is it about the house that your people who are trying to buy the house have connected to that makes it and the more personal you can be about that, I think the better. And if it's location, because Meemaw lives across the street, then tell them that. What, you have to tell them the gazebo story. Oh, yeah. And don't <laughs> write that you love the gazebo if there's no gazebo. <laughs> don't copy and paste your old be offer careful letter, with your copy and paste for the people. new house. Uh, I think it's, it's just the same as like when you're going into a listing appointment or meeting with a buyer. Like you got to read who the letter's going to. I, I mean, that may be difficult, but when you're walking through the house, if there's anything you can pull out to bridge that gap and make a connection, um, that's gonna give you an advantage if you can, you know, they have pictures of the ocean everywhere, and oh, we, you know, love the proximity to Galveston, or I, whatever it is, you just gotta find something that's going to, um, to uh, hopefully kind of make a connection. Also, tell the story, be careful, as we were talking about with that. Um, and then I think it's also like our responsibility, just somebody said, and I thought it was genius, but, you know, talk about how you're going to get this thing to the closing table and, and make it as easy as possible. I think that's um, very reassuring for the agent, too. So then it kind of addresses both parties. So I think that's probably some, some good input on those two fronts. Yeah, so what not to put in the letter is a good question. I mean, I think, like, if you're just overkill, if you're just, if you're a uh, Hallmark card um, and it's just very kind of neutral, that's what I'm saying. Make a connection. I think if it's just a letter that you could use on any house, it loses some of its value. I think if they, if it looks like you really approached it specific to this property, specific to what it will do for the family, I think that's going to help. I think the more generic it is, probably the less impact that it'll have. I think a big tip tip for that is to not overthink it. You know, just get a letter. You want it to be a, a tear-jerking letter if possible, and you want it to be a custom letter. If there's some longhorn stuff, talk about longhorns. If there's some fishing pole stuff, talk about some fish. Talk about fishing. Um, I, I think if I, I often make up statistics, so I'll make up one here for you guys. It's probably <laughs> like 10%. It's probably 10% effective to have the letters because we get 15 offers. It's like our, we tell our sellers, do you really want to? Do you want to see the letters? And a lot of times they'll say no. So it's not always effective. But hey, it's still 10%. In this in this business, you 
you have to use every trick in the book. So I would encourage an offer, a letter every single time. The better tip is, uh, because here's a statistic, and we kind of talked about that 95% of all realtors don't know what they're doing. They're, they're new or, you know, so the big thing is to, you call the listing agent and you're gonna be, you, you're gonna be very positive and say, congratulations, we, I have an offer coming, it's this. And then you just shut up. You tell them what your offer is about to be and most agents, you'll be able to, based on the response, you'll be able to gauge, or did you come in too low or too high? Sometimes these agents will say, if you only did this, this, and that, we'll take your letter, I mean, we'll take your offer. They'll just give you the answers. So, okay, we'll make this statistic up. That's probably 75% effective compared to the 10% little offer letter. So it's huge to, to call them and, and just tell them your offer and you, and you listen, you have to listen, so. All right, next question. What about if the listing agent does not know the lender? Does it mean that the buyer, the buyer's offer will not go anywhere? No. Um, I mean, I, there's plenty of lenders that I've never seen before and I do a transaction and they're fantastic. I think pre-qualifying the lender and there's certain things that the lender can do to kind of enhance, if I've never heard of them before, but their letter is structured you know, obviously it's got the terms on there. It's not real broad. It lets me know what they've verified with the buyer and what they haven't. Um, maybe a call from the lender just letting me know like, hey, I've been working with these people for a while. We're looking forward to a smooth transaction. Here's where we are in the process. You know, just there's a lot of things. And it's up to the listing agent too, I think, to follow through on that. If an offer looks great, that's one of my first calls. Can you tell me a little bit about the people? If they're like, who are you looking at? And you tell them their name, oh, I'm not, oh yeah. You know, well, that's probably not the best sign, but, um, but no, there's a lot of great lenders out there that, that you know I'll come across that I haven't seen before. But there is the usual suspects, as I call them. And if I see one of them, then I am definitely going to already be like, okay, that's a good start. You know, it's not the end all be all necessarily, but it's definitely a, a good start. No, absolutely, same thing. Um, we get these pre-approval letters, and I see a lot of lenders being proactive and calling me. Hey, we've submitted an offer. My clients, this is them. I want to let you know I've been working with them. I mean, I love that. Um, if you if you don't get that, you know, if I pick up the phone and call you, it's just like an agent. I mean, okay, if I leave you a message, call me back. Um, if I call the number and there's no extension and it's one of these 1-800 numbers, who are you looking for, can't get anybody, or I mean, I've had where I called the number and it was disconnected. Mm -hmm. That's not a good sign. Um, how, if they're not gonna pick up the phone when they're fighting for their client, they're not gonna pick up the phone when we're in the weeds of a transaction. Um, but I've met some of the best lenders, lenders that I work with to this day on the other side of the table. They've come in and now I've had an opportunity. And no one's gonna sit and take you to coffee and tell you how bad they're gonna suck. I mean, <laughs> they're gonna sit and go, I'm wonderful and I'll do all this. But the best way is if I see them sitting at the closing table, they showed up to closing, they answered the phone. I mean, you might make it, you might get a referral from me down the line. Yeah, and if they don't have their contact information on it, that's always a red flag. No email, no phone number on the letter, that's always one. But. We, we, we scan each offer and we're looking for the highest and best, but we know that agents, we're gonna send stuff that's incomplete. We're just looking at what type of, in this market, what type of, what's their highest and best? What's that number and what does the loan look like? And then we'll pick the, the top ones and we'll call the agent back and we'll probably have to clean up their mess. Um, ultimately, you know, we're trying to get the highest, we're get, getting the most money for our seller and just being ready for the crap that comes onto our emails. 
Okay. Are you saying, do I want to have a real estate baby with this lender? <laughs> Is that what you're asking yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> okay, how do you approach the people who ask for discounts and rebates for both buyers and sellers? No, any other questions? <laughs> That's a script. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, so that, and that is a script that Mike Ferry talks about. Every deal's different. If, if they want a discount on the, on the listing side, um, are they gonna go buy a property? How much are you, how much are you gonna net net on this deal? They're all the same deals, um, but how much will the company net net? So I don't like to discount my commission because I don't discount my services. You can't go to a dentist with a $10,000 bill and say, hey, will you take six grand? Like it's, we're the same, we're, we're, we're professional. So, but sometimes you've got to, in this market, you've got to bend a little bit, but every deal's just different. Do you have a, okay, you got one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, so I pre, when I get a client, I pre-qualify them. I ask them questions to know, I need to know, are they motivated? Are they willing and able to work with me? Um, and then I get ink. I get the, I get the listing agreement or I get the, the buyer-tenant rep agreement. Once I've got those signed, they're locked. There's no, hey, give me, $5,000, like, no, you're locked. Like, I've got you locked. Like, um, however, if I've done deals where the numbers were off and they needed three grand, I sold them a house and then they went and bought a house and I just popped them three grand. So every, it, every deal's different. And once, and I don't play a lot of poker, but I have poker playing friends. You, you, can, you can scan your cards in the river and you know the percentage of, of the probability of it winning. Once you get good, it's the same thing with with real estate. You're gonna you're gonna know uh, for your clients if this is gonna have a good chance of um, closing. Um, if they're a pain in the rear, you know, and they're trying to discount you, um, you might not want to work with those people. However, if you don't lead generate, if you don't have other buyers and other options, then you're stuck working with that person that wants to go see a hundred homes. And it's your fault that you're working with that person because you don't have any other options, which is the purpose of doing your lead generation every single day. So you have options. Now you're in control. Now you're holding the strings you're of the puppet. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I would say the same thing. Uh, I w the one thing is I've seen a lot of new agents too. They just like fold instantly. And I think what you need to do is understand your value and what you're bringing to the table and be able to have a civil conversation with them about that and just say what, you know, maybe return the question to them. Well, what is important to you is a high level of service, high level of marketing, me being your advocate from start to finish investing into the listing important to you, or is it just simply your bottom line and what you're netting at the end? And let them answer that question, and they're going to kind of dictate where the conversation goes. I'm not saying in some cases, you know, particularly if they're buying and selling, well, you know, Five is better than uh, than none, right? Or, or four, or whatever the case is. So you've got to weigh those things, um, but but be able to explain your value and what you're bringing to the table. And then, like I said, put them on the spot. Ask them what's important to them, and see where they come back with and what they say. And that will kind of dictate where it goes from there. So, but don't just fold instantly and be like, sure, no problem, because also that can come back to bite you because they're like, well, if that's how he negotiates his commission. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not looking forward to seeing how he negotiates the contract. 
That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, I generally say if I'm that quick to give away my own money, how quick am I going to give away yours? Um, and same thing, it's reading the room. Sometimes if they say, you know, oh, is that, so is that negotiable? Sure. Do you want to pay seven or eight? <laughs> I'm cool with either. Um, it just, again, there are scenarios with that, but in my experience, I have also found that the people that will bully you down the furthest, you will earn every damn penny of that, plus some, and you will absolutely regret making the call. If they're making the decision completely based on that, let them, and let them get the agent that'll do it for 500 bucks. And again, maybe then it's another one of those not now situations when the house doesn't sell in this market, Maybe then they realize and they call you. Maybe they don't and they beat the crap out of that agent who did it for cheap. I, any of us who are working at this level, I don't have time for people who are going to be super difficult and unappreciative. And generally, if they're, if they're trying to negotiate you down that far, they're not going to appreciate anything you do. Those will be the people that call you at 11 o'clock at night mm -hmm. and 6 in the morning <laughs> yep. and want you to mow their lawn mm -hmm. and all of the things. I feel like this market, too, has brought out more of that. Do you guys? Because th since things are selling so quickly and listings, people are saying, I'll, I'll take it for any, you know, I'll do it for this just, just to get a listing. So I think it's harder, maybe a little bit harder even right now to justify your value. But like they said, if you don't do it. I'll say, like, in that regard, so I've had a couple agents, I've heard them talking, so they sold a house in a day, and the seller says, wow, well, you didn't really have to do too much there, and he was like, well, normally I would have charged you a bonus for selling it so quickly, but in this case, we'll just stick to the 3%. Exactly, so. yeah. Okay, so we have one more question, because we're right at 11.30, um, and this one's from Tamara. Hello, the famous Tamara. Hi. Um, so there's just this opportunity that I'm seeing right now, and I cannot let it go. Um, I have to stand up. Uh, okay. So I th I'm reading this room, and Renee, you're up there, and there's this theme of I hire somebody. I hire somebody, right? Uh, I don't really do that. Somebody else does that. And I'm always amazed at how underestimated or undervalued people find in building a team. It's hard. Most people don't do it. And what I know about Renee that most of you don't know, or probably maybe no one knows, is in your 15-year career, Renee, you have had four different individuals start as baby buyer's agents with stars in their eyes, four different times, did exactly what you told them to do, they succeeded at a high level, then went on to do their own thing with your coaching, advice, and now share a seat with you at the table of the top 25 in Houston. You have single-handedly cultivated and spotted talent doing 20, 30 million, 40, 50. I mean, that's huge, just in your short four-year career. So there's this opportunity that you really do what others don't do and what people set out to do. So my question is, my opportunity for everyone, you guys touched on it. How do you spot talent, right? That's a scripted answer. They gotta be hungry, they gotta be consistent, they gotta go for it. Well, there's no one in this room going, well, that's not me. I'm not hungry, I'm not consistent. You know, when you're building team self-awareness, you're gonna tell yourself, well, I'm hungry, I'm consistent, but you're not doing what you know you could be doing. So I wanna flip it if you're brave enough. You interview, you talk, you're always you're like a talent magnet. Give us the flip side of the red flags you hear people say, and you're like, in your mind, eh, 
not going to make it. Let me save you some time and money. Go get a job. Like, you know, just like for example, you guys touched on it when I was a TL and they said, I don't really have to work. I'd be like, all right, okay, next. You don't have to work, you're not going to work. It, it, so it's like in an audience like this, I'll, I'll throw it out there. I am looking for that talent to get the, so I'm at a level now where I want to give back and just give it all. So I'm looking for people that will take it all, but they have to show up all the time. It's, it's a certain person that, uh, it's a personality profile as well. I, I have disc assessments. I've got, um, there's another proprietary software that my coach has uh, where I'll meet with someone, ask a few questions. You can tell, you know, who's who. Um, Give us an answer of one of the questions where you're like, wrong answer. Uh, I'll, ask, I'll ask about sports. Uh, that's one thing I'll ask about sports. Tell me about what sports did you do. Ultimately, I'll ask a series of questions where I can determine whether they hate losing more than they like winning. That they just freaking don't want to lose. They'll do anything. They'll, they'll stay up 24-7. Um, like, they'll do whatever. So I'm looking for that. I'll ask. So you have to be careful what questions you ask. You can't say, do you have any kids? Blah, blah, blah. Like, um, so I'll just ask, what keeps you busy? What, what, um, what are your hobbies? I really want to know, what are you doing nights and weekends? Um, what does that look like? Um, they'll ask questions about flexibility. Once they start asking, asking questions about flexibility and stuff, um, then that's a moment where it's like, eh, this just isn't going to work out. I'll do a personality profile test before they even show up. And, uh, and I'm looking for someone that's very regimented. Um, and there's this, there's this uh, software that we're using that, that will show that. And what that means, it's, it's, uh, it's the guy that shows up to either, either they're ex-military or the guy that shows up to the gym at 5 a.m. no matter what. They have COVID, they're going to the gym. It's raining, <laughs> it's snowing, like they're going to the gym. That's my type of dude right there, or girl. Um, it, so it's, um, I've had bad hires and I love and I care about them more than they care about themselves where I'll show up at four in the morning and I'll help you with your scripts and, but I want it often more than they want it and then that's not fair. And, and so I'm looking for those for those top uh, people right now. I, I've, I've got two seats open and I've got the process. I've got everything. It's, it's all set. So thank you for those kind of words. One, the, one, of, the, one of the people that she's talking about is her little brother. Uh, he joined my team and he's crushing it, crushing it. Um, and and, and I, like I said, I used to train people just to do the buyer side. My ego only wanted to do the buyer side and not teach the listing presentation. Where now it's like, hey, you joined my team. I'll give you everything. I'm going to teach you how to flip properties. You can only make so much as a realtor. You can only net so much. You got to buy investment properties. We're trying to develop land. I, 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 I bought a rent. Like, I'm doing different things, and I want to teach my team how to be wealthy if they want. If they want. You have literally built wealth. I mean, you changed lives with sharing those things. And all Thank four you. of those people separately can text you right now and say, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's going on? And yeah. you know, they just it's, it's just been you. an awesome journey. So congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. Did y'all learn anything? Yeah, give it up for these guys. Give it up for these guys. That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs>